we're going to continue and finish up our series on our vision. Uh, so if you've not been here, let me just fill you in real quick. This is what God's called us to do. Uh, four words. It's easy to memorize. If you've been here more than once, you, you have our vision probably memorized. Embrace, encourage, equip, and empower. And basically, this is the, this is the process that we walk through life. This is how God was with us. This is how we are with people. Is that we embrace people where they are. You know, God loved us where we were. And we love people where they are. No matter who walks in these doors or who walks into your life outside of these, these walls. You need to allow God to help you to embrace people and love people. All people. You need to love all people. And we talked about how God loved us and, and we want to be embracing to people when they come in here. And, and just, if you're part of Thrive, I was saying last week, our vision isn't just to embrace people in here. It's everywhere we go that we want to be embracing and loving of people. Uh, when you embrace someone, even if their life doesn't line up with what you think is right or wrong, when you embrace them, you have the opportunity after they know that you care to encourage them in areas of life where maybe there needs to be some growth or some help or some change. So we talked about encouragement. How, God, how did God encourage us? The word encourage in the Greek, we looked it up, and, and part of the word, one word for encourage is paraclete, which is also the same root word we get Holy Spirit from, parakaleos, to come alongside. So we talked about how to encourage someone means you're walking alongside of them. You're helping them. That's what it means. You're strengthening them. You're supporting them. Talked about how Aaron and her helped Moses keep the rod up when Joshua was fighting the battle because if, if Moses' arms got tired and the rod that he was holding if his arms got tired and came down, Joshua started losing the battle. If his arms were up, Joshua was winning the battle. So we talked about how Aaron and Hur, when Moses started to get tired, they stepped in and they came beside, one on each side of Moses, and they helped keep his arms in the air. They didn't take over and do what Moses was supposed to do. They helped Moses fulfill what God told Moses to do. So we encourage people. We're not encouraging them by jumping in and taking over. We encourage them by coming alongside of them and encourage them. Listen, you can do what God's called you to do. You can do it. These plans that God has for you, you can do it. And we encourage each other. We talked about being equipped and how the word, is, the word equips us. It says that in 2 Timothy. The word equips us. God equips us. We read that in Hebrews, that, that God himself equips us. And then we talked about how we equip each other and we can help each other. The gifts that God gave the church, apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist, are gifts used to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, to do what God's called to do. So we talked about how we're equipped. And then last week we talked about empower. And the illustration we used last week, it has, I have never had so much response from that illustration in all the illustrations I've ever done. But if you weren't here, we had that, this, uh, I don't even know what you call them, the little air guys that, you know, you shoot air up and this big, tall, blue guy stands up. But we talked about the fact that we had it plugged in and there's power. And when we connect to the source of power, we can do anything. The Bible says with God, all things are possible. When you connect to the source of power. But if you're unplugged from it or you're just hanging around it, you can hang around it and still not have any power in your life. But if you connect to the source of power, then power flows in your life. And then we also took that same illustration and we, we plugged an extension cord in there. And then plugged it into the extension cord. And we talked about how sometimes God may want to use you to demonstrate his power to someone else. When Peter and John were going to the gate, they were going to the temple and the lame man was at the gate. Peter said, 
I don't have silver and gold to give you. What I do have, I'll give you. In the name of Jesus, rise and walk. And he helped him up. And the power of God was demonstrated through Peter's life to him. Now, it resulted in the, the guy that was healed ended up going to the temple right after that. So there was a connection that when you, when you're the, when you help, you demonstrate God's power to someone else, your goal isn't to keep them connected to you. Your goal is to demonstrate that power so they understand the power of God and then connect them directly to the source. Connect them to God. So we talked about that. So that's what God's called us to do. Embrace people, encourage people, equip, and empower. And that's it. Four words. I've had, you know, I had a person one time say, hey, I got another E for us. And I was like, God gave us those. So you can't add. Unless God tells us. But I woke up at 3 o'clock in the morning, 2010, with those four words. And I know that's what God spoke to us. That's, and that's what we've been about. And that's what we're going to be about. So now, this is how we wrap up our, our, our series, is what do we do? We have clear instruction now. Four things God's called us to do. And this, this message goes not just for these four things. Anything God tells you or calls you to do, this is a response that we need to have, no matter what it is. So for those who are new or you're just visiting, this isn't just for these four words. It's not just for us as Thrive, just with the vision. It's anything that God says in his word, plans he has for us. Jeremiah 29 talks about his plans are good. They bring about a hope and a future. Ephesians 2 verse 10 says, We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, to do good works that he's already planned for us. So there's plans that God already has for us. The Bible says the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. He's got a path. The word is a lamp to our feet. And a light to our path. So there's all these things in scripture that, that tell us God has a plan for us. And it's, it's deeper than just what you're doing. It's deeper than just a job. He can use your job. And that's part of where he has you. To be a light right there in your community where you work. But there's other things he has for you. As, as, a, as a, a person, as a man, as a woman, as a husband, as a wife, as a, as a child, as a, as a father, as a mother, as what all different areas, God has plans for you, and uh, they're good plans. So let's look at how, respond, how to respond to what God says. Let's look at Luke 5, verse 4 and 5. This is where Jesus takes, he bars Peter's boat, and Peter had just been done fishing from all night. He comes in, and Jesus uses his boat, goes out a little bit, and speaks to the crowd. And it says, when he finished speaking, talking about Jesus, when he finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it's deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. So Simon said, Master, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. In other words, he's saying, we were just out there. We were just out there and we didn't catch anything. But he, then he makes this statement, and this is what we're saying today. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. In other words, Peter in his mind was saying, okay, we were just out there, but there was something deeper that said, but because, of, because you say so, I'll do it. And if you finish reading in Luke, you finish reading that passage, he went out and caught so much fish, he had to call for another boat to come out and help with all the fish that was coming in. Now, that's, that's, that's a good day fishing. I mean, that's, I'm not much of a fisherman, but... For those who do fish, I'm just telling you, that's a good day. He, did, he went from catching nothing to going back out there because Jesus said, 
and he couldn't handle all the fish that he was catching. He had to get help. Look at 1 Samuel 15, verse 22. Samuel replied, now this is when Saul had went, gone into battle, and the Lord told him, he said, listen, I want you to, to take out everything of the Amalekites. I want you to take out everything. All the people, all the animals, clear it out. Just clean house. And so Samuel, what Saul ended up doing is he, he took the king captive, and he kept some animals and stuff that he was going to do a sacrifice and thought that would be pleasing to the Lord. But it wasn't what the Lord said. Even though in his mind he wasn't trying to be some rebellious person, he's like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to offer this great sacrifice. But Samuel, the prophet, came to him and said, what is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifice or your obedience to the Lord? Then he says, listen. When, someone's, when you see that in the Bible, just do it. Listen. Obedience is better than sacrifice. It doesn't matter you can do a lot of things for the Lord, but obedience is better than anything that you sacrifice. Anything that you decide, all right, I'm, I'm going to not do this, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sacrifice this opportunity for the Lord. I'm going to do this. But if you're not obedient, you miss it. You miss it. Obedience is always the right thing. Look at Luke 6, 46 through 49. So why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it. It's like a person building a house who digs deep and lays a foundation on solid rock. When the floodwaters rise and break against the house, it stands firm because it's well built. But anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who builds a house without a foundation. When the floods sweep down against the house, it'll collapse into a heap of ruins. So here's what he's talking about here. Talking again about he, the first verse he says... Why do you call me Lord, Lord, if you don't do what I say? So he's talking about obedience. Now, I just wanted to say this because here's where we're not going. We're not going into some works-oriented love. You do what he says or you're toast. Listen, God still loves you, but you will miss out on things of God if you don't walk in obedience. You, you'll just miss out. I know, in, I know in my life there's been times the Lord spoke to me to do something. And if you've been here a long time, you've heard this story, but I'll never forget there was one time there was a man sitting on a pickup truck at Kroger's. I was in college. I'm going in to get Hot Pockets because that's what I lived off of in college. If you haven't had one, it's just a Pop-Tart with meat in it. It's, but here's what happens. You, I went, I was walking into the store, and I saw this man on the truck. And it, I did not hear an audible voice, God, I did not hear that. But in my spirit, I knew that the Lord said, I, I want you to go talk to him. And I was like pretending that there was nothing there. And then I knew, I knew this is what the Lord spoke to me. He said, I want you to go tell that man that I love him. And then I want you to tell him that you love him. And I mean, this is a big dude on the back of this truck. And I'm like, God, I... I was wrestling. So I just kept thinking, oh, that's just me. So I went into Kroger's, straight to the Hot Pocket section, didn't think again about it. Got my Hot Pockets, and I have this, you know, you make these deals with the Lord, you try to, even though it's really not, you're just acting like you are. I'm like, all right, God, when I get out there, if you're still there, then I'll know it's you. So I go out, and he's still there. I'm like, all right, if he scratches his left ear, then I know it's you. I mean, you're going to try to figure it out. 
And, um, and he didn't scratch his left ear. But I got in my car and I drove off. And I, there was something in me that just got real heavy. And I thought I need to do it. So I turned around and I went back. I went up to this huge guy sitting on the back of this pickup truck. And I said, hey, um, I know it's probably weird for me to come over here. And I just want you to know it's going to get a little weirder. I just want you to know I'm a Christian. And I was walking into the store, and I felt like I was supposed to just come tell you two things. One is that God loves you. The second part was the hardest part. Me as a 22-year-old guy to this other big guy, tell him I love him. And, and I was like, and the second one is, I love you too. It's weird. If you don't think it's weird, go try it when you leave here. Just go up to some stranger, some guy, and tell him I love you. Watch what happens. But I went up and I said, and, and I love you too. So I felt like, okay, I did what I was supposed to do. I'm, I'm thinking in my mind, I'm out. And this man broke, just started bawling his eyes out. And now I'm like, oh, that's all you gave me? I love you, I love you, that's all I have. Like, I got nothing else, God. You didn't, get, you didn't tell me this was going to happen? And he is like, when I say he's broken, I'm saying he is crying like psycho crying. Just heavy. And I knew something major is going on. So I just sat down beside him and I just put my arm around him. As far as I could get it. And I said, man, I, I don't know what's going on. I just want to tell you. Here's what he said to me. He said, I woke up this morning to a letter that my wife and kids are gone. And they're never coming back. And I was angry and I drove off and I just came here. And I've been thinking about what's the best way to take my life because nobody cares. At that moment, at that moment I realized God loves people enough to speak to anybody and everybody to help anyone. That's his love. And there comes a time when we have to realize, you know what? It's difficult for us. It's not about some work. It's about when God asks you to do something, it's because it, there's other people involved. When you can be obedient, your obedience doesn't just affect you. Your obedience affects a lot of people. And sometimes it is going to be out of your comfort zone. It was out of mine. And honestly... It took me, like, like I said, I, I said no a few times before I finally just felt like I needed to do it. And I realized, you know what? It's important. If God speaks to you about something, do it. Do it. Because God knows. So let's talk about, let's talk about this. Look at Psalms 40, verse 8. I take joy. This is what David says. I take joy in doing your will, my God. There's joy that comes when you're doing the things that God asks you to do. When you're walking out his plans, it's fun. Are there difficult moments? Absolutely. Are there struggles? Yes, we all face them. But there's a joy that comes from being obedient and saying, you know what? I mean, that we make the decision, you can count on me. God, you can count on me. Because here's what happens. If you say to God, I will embrace people 
that you put in my path. Can I tell you where God will send hurting people? Right into your path. Right into your path because he knows. You know, there's you know, one commitment I made when I was youth pastoring way back when. As I told the Lord, I said, I will every Wednesday night that I get up there, no matter what's going on, I will give people a chance to get saved. Every Wednesday. And you know what? It's amazing how every Wednesday, just about, there seemed to be people there that didn't know Jesus. And it was almost like God saying, if, if I know Scott will tell them about me, I'm just going to do my best to send people that way. And it could be anywhere that the gospel is going. But I, this was one place. And that's why I still do it today. I still do it today. There was one time we just had a few people. And, and when I went on to it, I was at another church after that. And we had a very small youth group to start. There were four people when we first started. And they were all related to, they were all, their dads and moms were on staff. And I said, bow your heads, close your eyes. If there's anybody here, you've never accepted Jesus. And they're like, what? I'm the pastor's kid. Bow your heads. If anybody here, you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And I did it. Now, no one accepted him that day because they already had. But it was something. It was a commitment. We're going to give people an opportunity because we're obedient. I'm obedient to what God's called us to do. So let's look at a few things real quick. Sometimes when we struggle being obedient to these things or anything God calls, and why is it? Well, there's times where we, we feel unworthy. God has plans and purposes for each of us. And you need to say yes to God even when you feel unworthy. Have you ever had a moment where you felt like, I'm not worthy of this? I have made some horrible, I've done some horrible things in my life. And you know what? I just want to tell you, if you look at Exodus 3, verse 10, this is where God's calling Moses and he says, I'm sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people out of Egypt. And Moses protested to God. It's like, who am I? Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead people out of Egypt? Who, who am I to do that? That's not, I can't do that. He's, he's protesting this before God because he's, he's he doesn't even feel worthy to do it. Even, even in my life, there's been times I didn't feel worthy. There's times I've I, I, I just not felt worthy to, like, God, of all the people that you want to plant a church, why, I mean, how many people told you no for you to come to me? That was my thought. Because I think I've, you know, I can think of a lot of people more, more worthy, more, you know, they just served you better. They did more for you. But you know what? It's not about whether you're worthy. If God's calling you, he's got plans for you. He knows all that stuff. Look at uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. This is such a freeing thing, if you, especially if you've had a rough past. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ Jesus becomes what? A new person. The old life is gone. A new life has become. When you gave your life to Jesus... Everything else went away. You're new. You're a new creation. That's what, that's what the word says. Lamentations 3, verse 22 and 23 says, The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. And it says this, His, mercy, his mercies begin afresh every morning. 
Every morning there's mercy for you. Mercy every morning. Mercy is you not getting what, what you deserve. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. But mercy is like, you know what? We all have this mercy. That even when we mess up, even when we miss the mark, God is so merciful. And he encourages us and he helps us. He helps us. He helps us to grow. His word is, is it helps us, it trains us, it teaches us, it, it corrects us. That's what his word does and that's part of how this process so we have to see ourselves not as what we used to be, not with all the struggles. We have to see what does God see in us. In 2 Corinthians 5, 21, look at this verse. For God made Christ who never sinned to be an offering for our sin so that we could be what? Made right with God through Christ. One translation says so we can be the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. That God sees us righteous. Romans 3, verse 23 and 24, everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God freely and graciously declares that we are what? Righteous. How does that happen? Our righteousness is not based on what we do. Our righteousness is based on what Jesus did. So when we see ourselves constantly as sinners that miss the mark, if that's how we see ourselves all the time, then we're going to kind of spend so much identifying with that that we're going to actually start, when we have two options, we're going to lean toward what we identify with. Well, you know, I just struggle. I'm a sinner. I'm this. Now, don't get me wrong. In ourselves, without Jesus, we are. We mess up. The Bible, we just read the verse, all have. But God says, you know what, because of Jesus... That even though you, you sinned and you mess up and you struggle, you are now righteous because of Jesus. But, but what if I sin? How can I be righteous if I sin? Well, the Bible says the righteous fall, but they get back up. What makes you different is you don't live in this identity. This is me. I just live there. I'm just a sinner. That's all I am. No, you are a righteous person who sins and struggles. But every time you do, you get up and God grows you and teaches you and helps you and you get better and better. But it starts with you identifying the way that how God sees you. I know my weaknesses. I know struggles. I know we all know our stuff. But God sees Jesus in us. That's what makes us righteous. So it's not based, it's not any works thing. It's God. It's Jesus who makes us righteous. So you got to step out and know God sees you different. You are worthy to do what he's called you to do. Another thing that we can feel is unqualified. How many of you have ever felt unqualified to do what God's called you to do or plans God has for you? You feel like, I'm just not qualified. You know what? <clears throat> That's a lie of the enemy. In one way, it's not because on your own, we can't. But with God, we're qualified. When God called me to do, to plant this church, he qualified me. He, he just said, listen, I'll do it through you. And I was like, okay, then then I'll do it. And here we are. Look at Exodus chapter 4. This is Moses again. And Moses is pleading with the Lord. Lord, I'm not very good with words. I never have been. I'm not now. Even though you've spoken to me, I get tongue-tied and my words get all tangled up. So that's Moses starting out saying, look, you want me to go to Pharaoh? I can't even talk right. I have this thing where my words don't even come out right. Why me? 
In other words, he's saying, I'm not qualified to do that. I don't have the gift set to communicate good or communicate well. Me either. <laughs> so then the Lord asked Moses, who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or don't speak, hear or don't hear, or see or don't see? Is it not I, the Lord? What he's saying is, look, I'll go. I'll be with you as you speak, and I will instruct you on what to say. So God is saying, I never, I never planned on you having to figure it all out. My plan is that I'll tell you what to say. I'll help you say it. I'm the one that made your mouth. I'm the one that created you. So can you do what God's called you to do? Yes, you're qualified. You're qualified. Look at uh, 2 Corinthians 3, 5 and 6. We are confident of all of this because our great trust is in God through Christ. It is not that we think we are qualified to do anything on our own, but our qualification comes from where? God. You are qualified to do what God's called you to do. He qualifies you. You don't have to qualify yourself. Listen, did I go to Bible college? Yes. Will I tell you my GPA? No. <laughs> but I wasn't qualified because I went to school. I was qualified because when God says, listen, I, I want you to do this, I was qualified the moment I said yes. And look what the Bible says in Philippians 2.13. We read it last week, but it says that God working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. God will actually give you the power to do what he's called you to do. That's a good God. That is a, and the desire. You know, if you, if you think, well, I don't want to give my life to God. He's going to send me to, you know, some crazy missionary place, some mission field way across the world. Well, he'll give you the desire for it if he does. He will. Because I never wanted to be a lead pastor. I wanted a youth pastor all my life. Before I even pastor, I wanted to be an FBI agent. That's what I wanted to be. But God changed my heart. I'm doing that. I, I love what I'm doing. This is, I desire to do this. It's fun. It's exciting. It's good. I love it. Why? Because God gave me the desire to do it. Because that's what he wanted for me. And he's given me the power and the ability to do it with him. So when, you're un, when you feel unworthy, when you feel unqualified, when you feel afraid, you know, there was a time that Gideon, Gideon was afraid. And when God is telling Gideon, this is when, now let me just give you a little bit of the story. Gideon had, was told he was going to fight the Midianites. Midianites have 100,000 people in the army, and he's got, he's, he's, got, he's got hundreds of thousands. He's got a lot in his army. I don't even remember their number. But here's what, here's what he told Gideon. I want you to fight the Midianites. And at that time, Gideon had 32,000 men in his army. And he's fighting this, this, this Midianites whose army is way more than that. Way more than that. So God tells him, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go ahead and tell all the people in your army if they're scared to go home. So here's Gideon saying, all right. Imagine being Gideon. You're already outnumbered. Just in numbers alone, you know you're just going to get whooped outside of a miracle. And you go to your 32,000 and say, listen, if anybody's scared, you, you can go. 22,000 people rolled out. Can you imagine? 22,000 of 32,000, they left. Just, all right, thank you. I'm out. I'm coming home, honey. 10,000 left. And then God said, take them down 
to the brook, let them get something to drink, and I'll, I'll, I'll tell you which ones to keep and which ones to, to get rid of. And he said, the ones who t- go down and bring it up to their mouth, the water, and drink. There was 300 that did that. And the rest went down, put their face down, and just drank from the, the brook. So it's 300. And God said, the 300. Can you imagine Gideon? All right, hold up. God, if my calculations are correct, I just lost 31,700 people of 32,000. You're right. And he said, but listen, if you go out there and win with all these people, they're going to boast that it's them. I got this. And then he made this comment to Gideon when you read on in like verse 20, somewhere around that of chapter 7. He says this. It says, it says if you're afraid... Go down to the camp where they're at and listen. So, so God even said to him, if, if you're afraid, go down there. He went down there. You know what he heard? Heard these two guys talking. And the one said, I had this dream that there was this big, like, loaf of bread type thing that came down and knocked over our tent and did something else. And the one, they started interpreting this dream. And the guy said, you know what? I think that means his army is going to take us out. And Gideon's like, they know. It's true. And it says that that moment he worshiped God. Because God just helped him in his fear. There's going to be times when God asks you to do something and it's going to be a little nerve-wracking. It's going to be something that's out of your comfort zone. And there could be a little fear associated with it. It's like, well, I, I just, I'm real nervous about this. You could have a fear of failure. What if, I, what, if, what if it doesn't work out? Fear of rejection. What if I pray for that person and they don't get healed? What if I, what if I do this? What if I do that? And, and you have all these fears of what could happen. But you know what? That God says, listen, if, when there's fear, listen, he'll, he'll come in and, and he'll comfort you and he'll help you. There's some fear that no matter how spiritual you are, there's times where there's going to be this nervousness or something that comes in you. But there's one thing that God doesn't ever give you, doesn't come. There's a spirit of fear that is not of God ever. He's given you not a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. But if there's moments when he's asked you to do something and it's out of your comfort zone and you have this, man, I hope this works out. God will meet you there. And he'll, he'll, he'll love you there. And he'll help you get past that. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ. 1 John 4, 16 through 18. We know how much God loves us. We have put our trust in his love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid of the day of judgment, but when we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in the world. Then it says this, such love has no fear because perfect love does what? Expels all fear. God is love. God is love, perfect love. And as our love grows in him, as we walk in his love, that perfect love, you know what it does to fear? It expels it. It expels it. You don't have to spend all your time trying to rebuke fear out of your life. Just connect to the love of God. The love of God expels fear. The love of God expels fear. When you know how much your, your God really loves you, it's going to help you in those moments when you're afraid. 
It's just going to help you. I know as a father, when my kids were young, if they get nervous or afraid, there was something that calmed them when dad or mom was around. If they, they heard a noise or if it was just, you know, they, didn't, they thought they were by themselves and they were just, what was that, what was that? Dad's right here. Okay. They're good. If the dog running around, they get afraid, something, you know, that dog might come bite me, pick up my kid, the fear's gone. Why? Dad's got me. When you connect to the love of God, I'm telling you, it helps overcome that fear. It expels it. It, it does. It just gets rid of it. So you're able to move out even when there's moments of fear in your life. You're able to walk past that because the love of God is helping and it's expelling that fear. It's getting rid of it. But don't let fear cripple you. Even, even when there's times where you're worried or anxious, step out and trust God. He won't fail you. He'll, he'll never fail you. I promise you. I can promise you that. That God will never, ever fail you. And then the last thing, not only when you feel unworthy, unqualified, or afraid, but even when others tell you you can't, or when the enemy tells you you can't. I'm just going to tell you, nobody thought I could do this. If I was to go, see, my class in high school, we, we, we were just a wreck. My whole class was messed up. All my friends are having um, reunions. My class, we don't even know what that is. No one ever plans anything. We don't, know, we don't even know who was in charge of what. But I know this, that when I've connected with some of my friends on Facebook or something, and they're like, Jinx, what are you doing? Because they call me Jinx. That was my name. They're like, Jinx, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, man, just, I'm up here in North Carolina. What are you doing? I'm a pastor. Shut up, man. <laughs> I'm like, no, serious. Now I'm a pastor. I mean, it's amazing. I go down, I went down to Tampa for a conference, and I met up with one of my friends, and it's still amazing. He's like, you know, there's a lot of people that never thought you'd be a pastor. I said, I was one of them. I was one of them. But, you know, I had people even tell me. Bro, you're not going to make it in ministry. I had people tell me that when I was in Bible college. Seriously, because in Bible college, I was like I am now. I still, woo you know. And uh, so my freshman year, I didn't really behave. I got in trouble a lot as a freshman. Not, I wasn't doing anything major wrong. I was just, you know, I just was young, just young, and thought things were funny that no one else, I guess, thought was funny. And... Um, <laughs> But you know what? I had people even then say, man, you joke too much. You play too much. You're not going to make it in ministry. And there was one time that I actually started to believe them. And I thought, you know what? What am I doing here? I should go back to the FBI. Like I've been there. I should go back to that journey of going to the FBI. But you know what? The dean of students of all people who I was close with because my freshman year I had a lot of meetings with the dean of students. And he came into my dorm room. I think God sent him, but he just happened to walk into the dorms, and he comes to my room. He's like, he's like, Jenkins, what are you doing? I said, man, I think I'm rolling out of here. I think I'm going to leave. He said, why? I said, bro, this ministry, I don't think it's for me. I don't think I can do it. I mean, look at me. I joke around. I mess around. I play around, and I'm seeing all these <clears throat> people, and I'm just like, that's not me. That's not me. 
And then as quick as someone's speaking negative to you, quick as someone can tear you down, someone can build you up. And he said, bro, you, you remind me of me. He said, man, of anybody, I'm telling you, you're the most real person that people will love. Of all the people on this campus, he goes, there's, there's people, staff, uh, professors that are talking that you're the real deal. And they think you're going to do great. So I stayed. My freshman year, again, I'm in trouble, right? All my freshman year. The end of my freshman year, they announced the RAs for my sophomore year. And they made me an RA. And the entire chapel busted out in uproar, laughing, thinking it was a joke. And I went to the president, called me in his office and said, hey, it was unanimous. Faculty and staff think you're the right person to lead. But you can't do what you did your freshman year. you got to lead different. But we know you can lead because when you did stuff, you got a group of people to do it with you. And I was like, all right, all right. So basically, you want me to lead a different way? He's like, yeah. I said, I'm in. But you know what? It all happened. How did it happen that way? Because you know what? I did. I said, okay. And then people started talking me down. And then I started to question that. And I'm just telling you, if people are telling you you can't, listen, don't believe that. If people are telling me that you're not worthy, don't believe that. If people tell you you're not qualified, don't believe that. If people tell you, oh, that'll never happen, if God spoke something to you, you hold on to it. And you stand in it. And don't give up on it. Galatians says, do not get weary in doing the right thing. You'll reap a harvest if you don't give up. God's got plans for you. David, when, when his parent, when, when his dad was told to get all the sons because Samuel was going to anoint him king, he didn't even bring David. So David probably could have felt a little rejection there. Then David goes and helps his brothers, brings them some food, and they're fighting. And David's hanging around saying, hey, I'll fight them. No one's fighting Goliath. I will. And the brothers are like, go home, little man. You need to go home. You can't do this. And David stays. And then the king, he, he goes to the king and says, I'll fight him. No one's fighting Goliath. I'll fight him. And the king's like, no, you can't do this. Everybody's telling him, no, you can't. No, you can't. No, you can't. But David had strength from the Lord. And he went out there and he fought Goliath. And he took him out. But David had to go through and, and overcome the people in his life that were saying no, no. And we, ha we have to do that. When people are telling us we can't do what we feel God's called us to do, listen, just don't give in to that lie. You can. You can do it. Uh, in Luke 18, 35 through 43, I'll just tell you this. A blind beggar, he's calling out for Jesus. And they're telling him, the people are saying, hey, be quiet. He's like, Jesus, because he wants to be healed. And he's yelling out to Jesus, and the people turn around and basically say, will you just be quiet? And you know what he did? He got louder. Because he's like, it doesn't matter what you think. I got to get to Jesus. <laughs> and people are gonna, always going to try to quiet you. People are always going to try to pull you back. But you got to stay focused on just connecting to the source of love, the source of hope, the source of peace. Connect to God. Then we'll finish with these two scriptures. 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9 says this. Stay alert. Watch out for the devil. You're, watch out for the great enemy, the devil. He prowls like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him. Be strong in your faith. Remember the family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering that you are. 
Listen, the, one of the things that you, the Bible starts with this verse saying, stay alert. In other words, you need to know you do have an enemy. You do have an adversary that wants to steal, kill, and destroy you. And anything that's being spoken in your mind or from others that is about stealing from you, killing you, or destroying something in you, that is not, that is not of God. The enemy will try to discourage you in every step of your journey. He will try to just bring you down. And that's why the Bible says stay alert. Stay alert. Because when you notice that, stand firm. Stand firm in God. Stand firm in his love. Stand firm in his word. And don't give in to it. James 4, 7 says this. When you submit yourself to God and you humble yourself before God, all you have to do is just resist the enemy and he's got to flee from you. There's not a big ordeal of, you know, fighting the devil. I grew up where that, a lot of that happened all the time. I don't know, you know, depending on what churches you grew up, some of you may think, what is he talking about? But I, I went to those, I've been to those services where people talk to the devil 90% of the time. I'm like, why are you talking to the devil? Especially that long. Devil, I tell you right now, you better get out of here. Devil, 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 devil. I'm like, hey, Jesus is like, up here. <laughs> and you know what? I think sometimes if we'll just connect with the love of God and humble ourselves, like we can't do it, God. We need you. Then we just resist what the enemy tries to do. He's got to flee. He can't stay. So whatever it is that God's called you to do, I'm telling you, you're worthy to do it. You're qualified to do it. You don't need to be afraid. And don't worry about what other people say. You walk it out. Be sold out, committed to fulfill the plans of God for your life. As Thrive, that's what this is. But there's more plans God has for you beyond these four words. You individually, he's got plans for. And just go ahead and surrender to it. Just go ahead and say, I'm in. Whatever you say, let it be.